0: Well, I took a three-week uh, break from preaching because we had a baby, and uh, so I feel I feel really excited to be here today, because uh, I feel like uh, it's I feel like I got good stuff for us, and we're starting a new sermon series today. It's called Sheepish, all right, um, and uh, and we're looking at uh, looking at one of the most famous famous uh, chapters in all of the Bible. I was thinking about um, uh, I was thinking about my middle school years. Um, and uh, I don't sorry I don't want to give any of you nightmares about your middle school years now you're starting to think about your middle school years um, but uh, I, I'm kind of kidding I had I had great middle school years but just like everybody in middle school and high school I was, uh, was went through sort of like an identity crisis. I wasn't sure who I was. And so for, there was a season there in high school where I was like, I was the jock, you know, I was the football guy. I was like lifting in the gym every every day after after school. And so like, that was my identity. But then like, but then I started listening to Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana, you know, and then I turned into like, and then I kind of thought that that's what my identity was gonna be, you know, like down with the man, you know, sort of sort of attitude. Um, and then there was this weird like year stress where I started listening to a lot of Wu-Tang clan. I don't know if anybody knows about Wu-Tang clan, but don't don't Google it. Alright, please just don't. You'll think less of me, okay? <laughs> um. And, and it's funny, like I just went through these seasons, just like you probably went through some seasons where you're like, okay, who am I, you know? And you tried some things out and, and uh, you did that maybe in college too. And so maybe some of you are still doing that today, you know? But, and, but really we, we kind of all are, um, we're, we're identity is a big deal. I found this article in a really reputable um, magazine, online sort of publication called The Onion. Um, and, uh, and it's about a missing person report. Let me read it to you. Okay. Uh, it's the title of it is search for self called off after 38 years. Um, and this is how it goes. The long time search for, uh, the long time, like self-conducted search for, uh, area man, Andrew Speth was called off this week. The 38 year old said Monday. Um, I always thought that if I kept searching and exploring, I'd discover who I truly was, said Speth. Well, I looked deep into the innermost recesses of my soul. I plumbed the depths of my subconscious, and you know what I found? An empty windowless room the size of an aircraft hangar. From now on, if anybody needs me, I'll be sprawled out on this couch drinking black cherry soda and watching Law & Order like everybody else. Uh, The search initially showed great promise with Speth's early discovery of his uncle's old Doors records and a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. And over the next two decades, however, the leads just petered out, he says. I can't believe how many creative writing courses I've taken, how many expensive sessions with every conceivable conceivable type of therapist. Um, And all that time, a whole life wasted on a wild goose chase. And since calling off the search for himself, Speth has canceled his yoga classes, turned in his organic co-op membership card, and withdrawn plans to go on a sweat lodge retreat in Saskatchewan. The only books I'll be reading from now on are the ones that happen to catch my eye in the supermarket checkout line on the few occasions I leave my apartment to buy more Fig Newtons, (laughs) says Speth. Though hardened and haggard by his long search, Speth expressed relief that his search for himself was finally over. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I, love, I love that article because it's, you know, it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek sort of like thing that's happening in our culture all the time. Um, it's something that we talk about all the time as a culture and something that you've wrestled with. Who Who am I? What's my identity? And our, our culture tends to tell us this. If you will just look in first, Okay. Look in first, figure out how you feel, figure out how you feel, find peace sort of like with yourself. You look in first, and when you figure that out, then that'll give you the perspective to be able to look out at everything else. Then you'll be able to understand the world if you just understand yourself first. That's what our culture says, and I just want to tell you, it's totally not true. (laughs) It will not work. It will not work. Looking into yourself first will not give you the perspective that you need to look out. Because as we're going to see, just sort of in this whole sermon series, and just as we talk about a lot, a lot, that um, the Bible that tells us a completely different story about how to find our identity. Not just the Bible, just Christians for centuries. Uh, that we've got a different perspective on how we find identity. It's not inside then look outside. Here's, here's what it is for the Christian. It's, it's not really different than what most people would, would think. It's, it actually starts with looking outside first. I look outside first and I look outside to God for the one that created me, for the one that names me. It's the only way I can know my name if, if I look to the one that named me and created me. I look to him first, I look out first. And when I get to know him, when I see who he is, then then I ha- I'll be able to have eyes to be able to see myself. Then I'll be able to sort of be, figure out my identity. That's, that's the only way that it works. Um, Christians have this approach. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that we learn, we learn who we are in light of who he is. We learn who we are in light of who he, of who he is. And uh, so who is he? Well, when the Bible tackles this important question, of who is God and who are we. There's a lot of different metaphors that the Bible uses, but one of the main metaphors that we're gonna be spending weeks talking about, one of the main metaphors for who's God and who are we is, is this, right here, this picture. This isn't found in the Bible, by the way. All right, this is just a picture I found on Google. Um, this is like a shepherd and a sheep. That the relationship that we should have to God, that who, who is God and how should I relate to him? Well, the Bible says, here's, here's one of the, here's, here's a word picture for you to be able to relate to God is picture a good shepherd. And that means that we, that we are the sheep, that we're the sheep. Um, and so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, uh, at this idea. And it's so, so, so important because maybe your view of God is not like a good shepherd. I don't know what your story is. I don't know how you came in today. But maybe you've got a picture of God that is not like a good shepherd. You've got a picture of God as he's a a, a war-hardened general. And he just is barking orders. Maybe you've got this picture of God like he's a father but like not a good father. Like maybe you didn't have a good father. And so when you picture God being a father, you picture your father or your absentee father. And, it's, and and you look at, and you try to make that comparison, and you're like, ah, oh, then, you know, it's hard for you to relate to that sort of God. I don't know, maybe, maybe the, the God that you picture is this sort of like, just like an old guy that is on his second miracle ear by now, you know, and he's just, he's just out of touch, and he just doesn't get it. You know, I don't know, I don't know what your view of God is, and I don't know where you got it from or how it was modeled for you, but it's certainly not a good shepherd. And you know this, but listen, this is this is kind of like a big principle for us to think about is this, if your image or impression of God will determine how you interact and approach him, your perspective, your image of who he is, that will that will determine, that'll determine how you approach him. If you picture him as this big general who's just barking orders, then you're going to you're going to avoid. If you picture him as just kind of this old guy who doesn't get it, well, then you're just going to kind of like, you know, placate him and visit, you know, once, once a year. But then you're going to kind of do your own thing because grandpa doesn't get it. You know, you're going to relate to God based on your view of him. And check this out too. Your image or impression of you will determine how you interact and approach him. And as we're going to see in a little bit, if you don't picture yourself like a sheep, if you picture yourself, yourself say, as like a shark, then guess what? If you picture yourself like a shark, not a sheep, guess what? Sharks don't need shepherds, do they? No, they don't. Sharks don't need shepherds. Sheep need shepherds. Sharks don't need shepherds. And if you picture yourself like a shark, not a sheep, then you're not going to look out to a shepherd. And that's going, to inter- that's going to determine how you interact with this God. How you view God, how you view yourself, it's going to mean a whole lot. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you push, push back on God for so long. Maybe it's one of the reasons why you've got all sorts of hang-ups and just you're frustrated. And I don't know, but I don't know where you, got, where you picked up all that. But let's look to the scriptures and let's see, okay, what is, what's the truth about who God is? What does he say about himself? What does he say about us? Um, I'm excited for this sermon series, not only because we're going to learn about him, learn about us, but also, you know what? Um, we're going to learn how to be better leaders. You know, one of the things is if you see that you're a sheep, you're a sheep and he's a shepherd, you learn from the good shepherd and guess what? It teaches you how, actually how to be a better shepherd yourself. And uh, are there any parents in the room by chance? Guess what? Guess what? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I've got some excited parents in the back. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> the, those are all the people with, like, new babies. They'll, they'll, they won't be so excited and, like, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Um, uh, if you're a parent in the room, guess what? You are a shepherd. You're shepherding some sheep. If we can learn from the good shepherd about how he shepherds us, it's going to help you be a better parent. Any bosses in the room? Anybody in charge of people in your workplace? Guess what you are? You're a shepherd. You got people under you, and uh, and so you, let's learn how how the Lord shepherds us. It's going to help you be a better boss. It's going to help you be, be a better employee in all sorts of areas of our lives. We'll be able to uh, to look at some of this stuff. So, okay, here we go. Listen. Uh, uh, the idea of shepherds shows up in the Bible 118 times. Sheep are mentioned in the Bible 400 times. It's the most, um, it's, the, it's the, the animal that's mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible, a sheep, 400 times. Donkey is 140 times. Cattle is 130 times. Camels, 59 times. Eagles, 30 times. Dogs, 41 times. Cats are never mentioned in the Bible. I'm just saying, all right? That's all I'm going to say, all right? Okay. Um, this is the main, main metaphor in the Bible, shepherd, shepherd, and sheep. Um, and it made sense to them, right? It made sense to, in their culture, we're, and, we're, and next week we're going to look at Jesus, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And they would have understood why, because so many of them, either we're shepherds or they, their best friends are shepherds or they, you know, they're just surrounded by sheep and shepherds, right? We're a little bit different. We're a little bit removed. I, there might be some shepherds in the room here. I don't know. Um, but uh, if, and maybe you did 4-H. I don't know. Anybody proud enough to say, I did 4-H? And I was like, okay, we got some f- proud 4-Hers. Nice, good. Um, my, I mean, my interaction with sheep is at the Lane County Fair. Every year, we walk through all the different animals and love going through and seeing everything. we walk through and we see the sheep. That's really all I know about sheep and shepherding sheep, right? But here's what's so cool is we're going to read the most famous, probably the most famous chapter in the whole book of the Bible. It comes from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 23. It's a psalm that even if you're not familiar with church... You've heard before. In fact, you might even be surprised about how much of this psalm you have memorized, and you didn't even know you have it memorized. But it's just in there because you've heard it at so many things. You've heard it probably at every memorial service you've been to. But it's this really famous. And here's what's cool: it's written by a guy named David. And guess what? David was—he was a shepherd. Now, he's the, he, was, he became a king, but he's like the shepherd king. He knows about shepherds. And what's interesting about this, this psalm is it's written from the perspective of a sheep. It's the language, if a sheep could talk about its good shepherd, this is what the sheep would say about its shepherd. And so I'm just going to read it to you. And then we're going to pull out a few things. And and today's just like kind of like the big intro. You know, I'm just, I just want to whet your appetite enough to where you're like, man, I don't want to miss next week. I don't want to miss any of these weeks um, because we're going to unpack a bunch of stuff. Here is the Psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalm 23. I hope by the end of this sermon series that we, we hear this enough that even if you don't have it, like some of it or most of it memorized already, that you're going to get it even more memorized because we're just going to come back to it over and over again. Um, so the Bible says that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, The, the we're the sheep. And you know... Because most of the sheep we see, or at least the most of the sheep that I see, or is at the fair, we tend to think of sheep as being the cutest, most cuddly, like, you know, just the sweetest little things imaginable. So when God calls us a sheep, our first reaction might be like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so cute. When actually it's not sweet or cute at all. <laughs> here's, my, here's my contention. Here's my thesis, is that God calling us sheep is insulting and liberating at the very same time. It's a complete insult and it's liberating at the same time. I've got a special guest I want to invite. Are you ready back here? Okay, don't be shy. Okay, come on. Come on, don't be shy. Okay, I got it. Okay. There we go. A little shy moment for a second, but we're good now. See, when we think of sheep, you know, we this is like, isn't this cute? And it is. like so. Lump and looks delicious no I'm just kidding I'm <laughs> kidding um, you know we, we picture sheep like this but uh, when, when, when we're when David is writing you know this this psalm when people in their context are thinking about shepherds and sheep they, they knew things about sheep that, that we just we just don't know all right here's some, some things about sheep that you got to know you probably know this already but here's a couple of things uh, first of all, sheep get lost easily okay sheep. Um, are some of the most defenseless, some of the most, uh, you know, some of the most, uh, you know, they, they just, they're directionally challenged. They, uh, they, they follow things. Uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about how, should, one of the reasons why sheep are prone to wander so easily is because they have very strong appetites, and so they'll just follow their appetite wherever it leads. Ooh, that'll preach. All right, that's in a couple weeks, all right? You know, get ready for that. So they, they wander easily. Um, Uh, Number two, sheep are defenseless. They're defenseless. Uh, It's really interesting to think about, you know, most animals in the animal kingdom have like some sort of an offensive approach, some sort of defensive strategy for staying alive. All right. So some animals, you know, cats can claw your eyes out, right? They've got claws. Some animals have fangs, some have, uh, you know, big horns, some have stingers. Some have like quills, some can kick you, some can fly away, some can run just really, really fast. Uh, Some spray foul-smelling liquids at you. Um, Some just like blend into the environment, you know? They're just like, they got camouflage. No camouflage, right? Um, Some just play dead right? I mean, some just play dead. That's their strategy. Um, some like, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I grabbed a lizard and the tail came off in my hand. Is that right? Have you seen that before? It literally just shed its tail and it'll grow into the tail. That's its, that's its exit strategy, all right? Sheep have absolutely none of those capabilities at all. Sheep are some of the most defensive animals that there are. You're never gonna like go out into the wilderness and somebody stop you and be like, "Hey, but before you go out there, just be careful. There are packs of wild roaming sheep out there, so just watch out, be careful." Nobody's ever gonna tell you that before. In fact, the uh, sheep uh, sheep do this thing, and it's a real thing. I'm not kidding. That sometimes they get so they get so bogged down with grime and, and dirt and dust and stuff that, uh, that sometimes they'll lay down to rest and then they won't be able to get back up again. It's called a cast sheep. And sometimes literally, literally it's like this. Um, I've got a picture. It's a real picture. Like this is a real thing. Sheep, they fall. You remember those, uh, those life alert commercials? I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> like that happens to sheep all the time. They just they 're just so defenseless and if a, if a if a wolf comes or a coyote or just you know or they just there's nothing they can do besides Bleh! you know that's it that's all they got uh, number three uh sheep are very stubborn, very stubborn. nobody elbow anybody next to you right now, okay all right, moving on uh, number four, sheep are filthy and smelly. Uh, the, at the fair, they're not because they're groomed, because they're trying to win a contest, right? But in real life, like out in the field, sheep are grimy. They're smelly. They, 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 they can't clean themselves. You know how monkeys like clean each other? Sheep don't do that, right? You know how cats, you know, go like that? Sheep don't do that. Uh, they, they can't clean themselves. And so they're incredibly filthy and smelly. The bottom line is this, everyone. Sheep are utterly helpless. They're the least self-sufficient animal. Therefore, sheep need a shepherd. And we need a savior. Sheep need a shepherd. That's the bottom line. That's why it's super insulting. It's insulting and it's liberating. It's insulting because, um, you know, it's insulting because, well, actually here, let's talk about the, the the liberating part too. Is that here's what's interesting. God knows this about sheep and God actually made sheep like this think about this sheep were designed sheep were designed by the creator to thrive under someone's care sheep were designed by the creator to thrive under someone's care so it's so for us for us it's it's insulting because it's like I don't like to think of myself as a sheep I like to think of myself as a lion hear me roar right or you know what? You know what works against us too. I know not everybody probably here in the room are is is a, is a, is an American or like you from the USA, but you know most of us are. And so you know what, another thing working again to, against us is like we're Americans. We're from America. I ain't no sheep. I'm an eagle, right? I'm not a sheep. Don't call me a sheep. No, no, no. Like I don't we're eagles, we're lions, we're sharks. I mean, we we wish the Bible had those things to say about us. But the Bible says that this is who we are. That we're smelly and we have no sense of direction and we're defenseless. We can't save ourselves. And that's hard for us to take. That's hard for maybe perhaps some of you to take. You don't like the idea. That if you admit that you're a sheep, then that means that somehow you're you're weak. Can I just can I just uh, uh, can I just say this? Can I just submit this that it's not weak, it's not weakness to admit that you're weak. It's not weakness to admit that you're weak. It's not, and it's and it's actually it's actually a beautiful, wonderful thing when you can look at yourself and you can acknowledge that I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep and therefore I'm going to look to a shepherd. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. When you acknowledge that you're a sheep, you'll look to a shepherd. When you acknowledge, when you just have the humility to acknowledge that you're a sheep, then finally, for maybe the first time in your life, you'll you'll start to look for a shepherd. And guys, that's hard for us. It is. It's hard for us to admit that you're a sheep. In fact, in this day and age in our sort of Christian culture, You know, what's happened is that we've, like, so privatized Christianity, and it becomes so much more about my truth instead of the truth, and often my truth trumps the truth. And we're sort of taught to be, like, free agent Christians, where, you know, like, I just kind of, like, go to, so, like, whatever church tells me the best things about myself, or, you know, I I listen to the doctrine that makes, you know, pumps me up and pumps up my self-esteem. And we all have a tendency to sort of do that, to close our ears to things that we don't want to hear. But that that leads us to a place where now suddenly, and maybe this, I don't know, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody here this morning, but maybe perhaps that you haven't been looking to a shepherd, you've been looking to a Sherpa. That's what you want. You don't want a shepherd. No, you're a lion. You're an eagle. You don't need a shepherd. You need a Sherpa. You need somebody to carry your stuff for you. Or, or maybe or maybe you know you, you're you're in a place where you're like i'm i don't need I don't need a coach I want a cheerleader that's what I want Coached me no I'm doing great what I need is somebody just to encourage me tell me to to you be you just to look in to yourself and like figure out who you are and you know just embrace yourself and like you know, that, that's the God that I want. I don't, I don't want a coach, and I certainly don't want a shepherd. I just want a cheerleader and a Sherpa. And unfortunately, guys, that leaves us in a place where um, you're never going to grow. You're never going to know the true God that loves you. You're never going to know God as a shepherd if you don't acknowledge first that, you, that you're a sheep, that I'm a sheep. Here's another thing. Another big question is uh, if you can get to a place where you acknowledge that you're a sheep and you need a shepherd, another question is which shepherd? Which shepherd are you going to look to? <sighs> this is huge. Uh, maybe, maybe like the whole reason why you're here this morning is just for this little part, okay? For this, just this little part. Do you notice how, how this, the, the psalm starts? Notice how the psalm starts. The very first few words of the psalm is this, Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not my career. Not my parents' approval. Not my spouse. Not my desire for a husband or a wife if you're single. My, my bank account. Not my savings account not sexual pleasure, not what other people think about me, not my reputation. Those things can easily become your shepherd. And in fact, if we were to get up here and tell some of the, the worst moments of our stories in our lives, we would tell stories of when we made some of those things be our shepherd. And we were chasing it, and we thought, that's the thing. If I could just get that thing, if that thing would just be, if I could just get there, then finally I'll be okay. And you got there, you got the recognition, you got into the marriage, you got the thing, and then you realized that you were still empty because you were following the wrong shepherd. All those things might be good and great. bake accounts are great. Spouses is great. All those things are wonderful. They're gifts from God, but they're not designed to be shepherds. They're never meant to do that. And so how powerful is it that the beginning of this psalm, the very first words of this, the Lord is my shepherd. Is that good news for you today? If it's not good news for you, if, if you hear the Lord is my shepherd and you feel something in you like, no, then that means, that means there's, there's something in there. There's work to be done there. That means you're resisting, and and, and for all sorts of reasons perhaps, and maybe you're resisting because you just can't wrap your mind around the fact that this God is claiming to be my shepherd. How did he earn the right to be my shepherd? Okay, I'm going to land the plane. I'm going to tell you how, and this is is where we're going to end, is next week, next week, we're going to unpack this passage of scripture where Jesus of Nazareth steps onto the scene. And Jesus comes walking into our existence. He comes walking in and people start saying things about him. People start saying that, hey, here's the lamb that's going to be slain. People start pointing to him and, and saying like, man, this is, this is like, you know, they understood about sacrifices in the temple. They would, take, they would take animals to the temple and sacrifice for their sins. But yet Jesus comes and he's declaring a whole new system, a whole new way to have a relationship with God, a whole, a whole new paradigm. And Jesus steps onto the scene and he says I am the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. I'm not a wolf. I am the good shepherd. You can trust me. We're going to unpack that pas- that passage next week. Maybe that's your thing. If you you don't believe that God is good. You've been wrestling that with for forever. You just, that's your biggest question. How can God be good if I've experienced so much pain and suffering and, and turmoil in my life? How can God say he's good? Because I haven't seen him be good. Maybe that's your issue. Come back next week. We're going to we're gonna unpack that. But can I just tell you, do you know how why we can trust this Jesus? Because when he says he's the good shepherd, it's not just because he showed up and said, I'm the good shepherd. Anybody can do that. Jesus showed up and said, I'm the good shepherd. And then you know what he did? Listen, Jesus is the only shepherd that knows what it's like to be a sheep. He's the only shepherd that knows what it's like to be a sheep. No other religion says this. No other religion even comes close. Every other religion says No, you're not a sheep, you're a lion. And other religions say, no, this God that came, you know, he's the all-powerful God, but he certainly wouldn't become a sheep. And Jesus is the only shepherd that stepped onto the scene and said, I'm not just gonna love you with words, but I'm gonna come and I'm going to literally be the lamb that was slain. I am going to put myself on that cross. I'm gonna become I'm gonna become the the, the sheep that was slaughtered for you. Jesus is the only shepherd that knows what it's like to be a sheep. Therefore, you can trust him. You can trust him. He is the good shepherd. And we're gonna be spending the next bunch of weeks just unpacking, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? How how does that impact my life? And it might actually just change. For some of you, it might be a groundbreaking time in your life for you to repicture who God is. And you're in an identity crisis right now. And you don't know where to look. And you're looking in. And you're looking to, you know, this. And you're looking to that. And maybe just this is the thing you need. You need to look to the God that says he's the good shepherd. You see yourself as a sheep. And that right there will be where the penny drops. That will be the beginning of you following Jesus.